Hello, how are we doing folks? So here we go, podcast number two. Thank you for listening in last week and thanks for all the really good feedback. Um, I was a wee bit overwhelmed by some of the feedback and it was it was really nice to hear. I really enjoyed doing my first podcast. Um, so here we go for number two. Um, yeah, some of the feedback uh, in particular, I, I want to thank my nephew Cahill Doyle for his feedback in particular and uh, Cahill your feedback is going to inspire this podcast. Um, Cahill talked a lot about how he really enjoyed uh, listening to the parts about my my dad, his granddad, Mick Doyle. So this podcast then, episode number two, is going to be about fatherhood. And I know Cal is a, an expectant father at the minute. Him, him and his, his lovely wife, Colleen, are expecting twins in the new year. And uh, all the best to you guys. So, um, and just before I go on as well, I want to give a shout out and a request in this week to uh, my colleague in Glenties, Jerry Doherty, who wanted a special mention. So, so Jerry, I hope you're listening and I hope you listen to the end of the podcast this week as well. So, guys, fatherhood, um, what do I want to say about it? Well, first of all, I want to perhaps say what fatherhood is not. And certainly one thing fatherhood is not for me, fatherhood is not anti-women. So uh, I split with my boy's mother five years ago now. And in the early days I did chat to a, a guy who invited me along to a, a father's group for, for separated fathers. And uh, I just didn't really like the sound of it, to tell you the truth, because it seemed to be a lot of, uh, sounded like a lot of, of blaming, blaming women and anti-women. And uh, and that's certainly not what I'm about. So I decided to give it a miss. So certainly that's one thing fatherhood is not about. It's certainly not about anti-women, that's for sure. So where did I get my ideas of, of fatherhood from and that's fairly obvious uh, I think it's it's really f- from from my own father so so this podcast will mainly be a, about my own father Mick Doyle and then a little bit as well about myself as a father in, in relation to to my to my two boys so so Mick Doyle was born on the 10th of May 1932 in a wee place called Pothill in the townland of Drumray in Restrever in County Down. Um, he went to Drumray School, Drumray National School, um, all the schools throughout Ireland um, before part- partition would have been called National Schools and um, I suppose with the instigation of the state of, of Northern Ireland it, uh, it was sometime later on did we start referring to them in, in the north as primary schools. But, yeah, so my father went to, to Drumray National School up until he was 14 years old. And Drumray National School was just about a mile up the road from his house in Pothill. So he walked up the lane uh, in Pothill, up onto the Drumray Road and, and up to school. So 
Yes, they said he left there when, when he was 14, and that's that was quite common back then, which would have been roughly 1946. Yeah, just, just after the end of the of the Second World War. And my father then got various labouring jobs uh, from the age, of, the age of 14 onwards. I know he worked in, in the forestry in, in and around Rustrever. And then in the 1950s, when he would have been in his early 20s, he headed off to England um, with his uh, with his brothers, Paddy and uh, my namesake, Hugh, Huey. And yeah, he spent most of the 50s in, in England, mainly in London and I think also in Birmingham and perhaps Manchester as well. So yeah, so many people, I heard men and women uh, left Ireland in the 1950s and the 1960s. I was just, just watching a programme last night on RTE actually about, about the Irish in, in England and how there are currently 20,000 elderly Irish still living in London who would have went over to Ireland, uh, from, Eng- from Ireland to England in the 50s and 60s and, and stayed and made their life there and, and how many of these 20,000 elderly Irish people are now um, just kind of on on their own. Uh, a lot of their family ties have, have uh, you know, a lot of their 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 family maybe have passed away or, or moved on or whatever, and and they 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 seem to be quite isolated over in London, um, which 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 is quite sad, really, um, and that kind of brought me back a little bit as well to, um, something that my father said once. So so the story is um. It was uh, a Sunday and uh, myself and my dad uh, were at Mass in, in Burn in County Town and, and the priest anyway was, was chatting about all the successful Irish people who went over to London and made their fortune and came back home and, and uh, did great work and funded various charitable initiatives and so on. So that was grand. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. But anyway, we went back to the house then after mass now, and we were probably uh, having the Sunday the Sunday dinner, the Sunday roast, and uh, and we were just chatting about what the priest was talking about, and and my dad seemed quite quite annoyed actually, and he just said, you know, he didn't he didn't mention the down and outs, and it kind of made me take a wee step back that. Yeah, that's that's true. Absolutely, we we don't we don't talk about the people who weren't quite as successful, and the people that were just, you know, for one reason or another, uh, didn't quite make it. Uh, maybe the drink got a hold of them. Uh, maybe they had unsuccessful relationships and ended up uh, as down and outs. Either homeless or, um, yeah, not doing the best really, I suppose. Uh, and a lot of these men, mainly, and, and sometimes women as well, were are still living in in London. A lot of them have probably passed away now. But yeah, it made me think about my dad in the nineteen fifties, and I'm thinking back now as well. Like so, I'm sure my dad knew a lot of these 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 men. Uh, there, was, uh, there was obviously a huge drinking culture among the Irish 
in in London back then, and um, and how close was he maybe to to be coming down and out himself? But yeah, he 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 didn't, and uh, he came back to Ireland in in the early sixties then, and he married my mum in nineteen sixty two, as I mentioned last week, and and he had seven kids, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, what was it about my dad? What was it about him that made him such a, such a good father? Um, and I think really, my dad was was an easy man to love. He was funny, and he was a, a great storyteller, and he had, had great warmth and uh, charisma about him. But he certainly wasn't a, a, a perfect by any means, and you know there certainly was some Friday nights where he would have come back from his favourite watering hole in Molly's and Warren Point and my ma would have had a few Barneys that's for sure so so that wasn't that wasn't over, overly pretty so yeah throughout the 1960s then yeah my dad had uh, various labouring jobs and uh, yeah my, my my mother who who was uh, a midwife who, who did go on to to secondary school who passed the 11 plus so, and that, that that's another story for another podcast. Uh, yeah, my mum gave that midwifery job up in in nineteen sixty three, um, and she had all of us one after the, the other pretty much. And uh, yeah, my dad had had various labouring jobs, and there would have been times maybe we didn't have any job at all, and I would have been on the dole, and that. I suppose continued up until 1973 then, so roughly about 10 or 11 years. And my dad got a job in the council as a street cleaner, as a um, as a road sweeper in and around the streets of Warren Point. And he really, really loved that job, I think, very much. And he worked at that for about 24, 25 years. And, you know, he became a... A popular figure around Warren Point with his cart and uh, his brush and he chatted to people everywhere he went and people would stop and talk to him and I don't know how he got the, all his work done but he, he managed um, he managed it eventually and because he had that good regular job then in the council then um, in the mid-1980s then he was able to purchase along with my mother the house that we grew up in, which is 56 Milltown Street, or just 56, that's as it is now affectionately known as in the Doyle household. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a small little house. It was uh, a labourer's labourer's cottage, um, a small bungalow with three beds, three bedrooms, just off the off the uh, the living room in the middle and a small scullery at the end at the back of the house which uh, which was renovated in, in the early 90s and the, the scullery was extended into a proper proper kitchen so um yeah that that's 56 it's a it's a special place and uh, yeah we have a field we have a wee bit of a field up the back of 56 and uh known affectionately as the field yeah that's very creative i know so yeah one of the abiding memories of of my father and 
the most special memories that, that I have of my father is, is just working up in, in the field. The field is, is just a, a flat bit of ground and, and then the hill, which we refer to as the hill. And on the field in the hill, we, um, my father would have planted spuds. And the, and the planting and the growing of the spuds um, would all have been done by hand. So it would have been about a half an acre, so um, it wouldn't have been that easy to dill, dig drills by, by hand, just with, with a spade. And yeah, I suppose that, that is my most affectionate memory of, of, of my father, that of, of him teaching me how to, to dig a drill. And I remember just one, one time digging a whole drill from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. And, uh, I think he was fairly impressed at the end. I, I don't know. I suppose I was about 10 or 11 maybe. And, uh, I was very happy with my work as well. So yeah, my father would have brought up seaweed from the beach in, in, in Warren Point and, and we put the spuds in and we put the, the, the seaweed in. And if we didn't have seaweed, we, uh, would have went over across the road to in behind Mrs. Murphy's house where, where Marty Fagan kept, her neighbour Marty Fagan kept kept pigs and uh, we would have got some pig manure in the wheelbarrow and wheeled it across the road and, and put that in with the, the spuds in the drill and yeah the um, yeah and the spuds grew and my dad would have sprayed them uh just with a backpack up and down and um, so that there would be no blight. So, yeah, those, those buds, those buds were always lovely, I remember. So, so my dad was a great man with, for the spade and he was also a great man with the scythe. So we didn't have spuds every year in the field. We would uh, just let the grass grow some years and my dad would have cut the grass with a scythe, which was, I've tried the scythe, folks, and... Uh, it's not an easy piece of equipment to operate, but my dad was very, very skilled in it. And, and those years then we would have made a wee bit of hay. And we'd had haystacks in the hill and we would have run down the hill and jumped over the haystacks. And I just loved, loved that f- smell of the hay and the smell of the cut grass and, and just sitting up in the hill and, and bringing a cup of tea up and sitting there with my dad on the hill and obviously it was always sunny (laughs) and uh, yeah those are my most favourite memories of of my dad and I suppose what it is it was just I suppose mainly just me and him um, that I have in my memories and it was just time together working together in in the field not perhaps saying a whole lot and him telling the odd funny story now and again and uh, and just spending spending time with him doing work out in the air and uh, it was beautiful it was it was lovely and um we had some hens and we had ducks and geese as well up in the field and uh we would have gathered their eggs and um yeah that was lovely and we had a wee garden then out the front and my dad would have planted flowers and, and roses and there was a goodsbury bush as well. And uh, yeah, he loved nothing better than, than being outside. He was certainly not a man for the house. <laughs> he would have been 
up at the crack of dawn every single day to walk down to Warren Point. He, he never drove, even though he could have availed of a, a license without getting a test when he lived um, with uh, when he when he lived in in England. Uh, but he, he didn't bother, and he never drove then. So so we never had a car growing up until my brothers and sisters would have passed their test, and then they had a car. Maybe they they might have had a car then. So yeah. He loved being out in the garden and he loved, um, yeah, planting flowers and, uh, yeah, that's another great memory, just been in the front garden, uh, in two gardens, two front gardens, uh, where he planted some vegetables in one half and then the other side was just called the green, uh, which was just a, a lawn and they were both surrounded by hedges and he would cut the hedges by hand as well. There was no fancy hedge trimmers back then. Um, and again, I just remember like sunny evenings, sunny summer evenings, being out just helping me dad out in the garden. And uh, again, just spending time with him. No big agenda, just working together, helping him, having the, having the crack together. And... Yeah, I suppose that's what I, I loved uh, about my father so much that he wasn't he wasn't a big authoritarian. He wasn't big into his authoritarianism in, in any shape or form. Uh, it he was just easy to be around. He was just just lovely, lovely company. But at the same time, you would you would never cross him either because he did have a bit of a a fiery temper as well at times. And I remember being at a, a burn match with my dad and my brothers, um, and Burn were playing Cross McGlen, and there was a Cross McGlen supporter just just beside us. I think it was up in Newry, and he was he kept going on and on this Cross McGlen man, and my dad just got sick of him, and he just my dad wasn't a very tall man. We got, we all got our our height from from my mother, so my dad was only about five foot six, so I remember my dad just. Turning around, he just had enough of him of this cross blind man at one stage. He just turned around and I just said, "Why well, would you ever shut your mouth?" And and he did. And uh, it may have been something to do with uh, having three or uh, six foot sons to back him up. But yeah, the uh, the cross McGlenn man certainly did shut his mouth then at that stage. So yeah, so that's my dad. That's my dad. So many more stories I I could. I could talk about in relation to my dad. Um, yeah, so what what have I learned then uh, about being a father with, with my own boys? Um, yeah, I suppose I, I try as, as as much as possible to to not be authoritarian with them. Um, it's certainly easier growing when they were when they were we. Um, certainly not easy when when the kids are small you have so much to do as as a, as a parent um so that, that that's tough now but i think as those as 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 they grow up and they become a, a little bit more independent themselves i think it's 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 i have found it certainly anyway much much easier um to be a father and um and i can see my my boys coming back to me as well as they 
grow older now. They my eldest is fifteen and my youngest is eleven. So, so I can see them coming back, coming back to me and just wanting to talk to me about about various things. And um, and I suppose I, I try and learn as much as possible from from my own father as much as possible, just to just to support them and and try not to be too directive with them. Um, and to let them find their own way, I suppose, is is really crucial as well. That you know that they are given the opportunity to to make their own mistakes. Because I know that's how how my dad was was with me. Now he didn't ever direct me too too much at all. He, I just knew he was always there. He was always there to to turn to and uh, to have the crack with, um, which was was really lovely. Um, in terms of my own boys as well now, I suppose one of the the most precious things that um, that I have with my boys um, as they grew up as as they as they were small, uh, I every every night I I would have have read to them just before they went to to sleep, um, and I suppose this when uh, I split with their mum that that would have been the the thing that I missed the most was like tucking them in at night and and reading to them. So, so whenever they came round to mine and, and and every night as well when they're round when they're round here in my house that I would I still read to them even though my eldest now Kieran is is fifteen and Kieran's eleven. I think they still enjoy reading now uh, me reading to them and. Uh, the books have changed over the years. Now we we tend to go now for more f- uh, footballers' autobiographies or biographies. Um, but recently, uh, a friend of mine uh, stuck up on on Facebook. She, she was doing this seven books that that made and had an influence on her on her on uh, on her life, and you know they were all quite um, you know uh, sophisticated books. For the most part, and then she put up a book called *The Gruffalo*, and *The Gruffalo* he played a huge part in in those reading sessions between me and my boys growing up, and not just *The Gruffalo*, but other books by Julia Donaldson and the beautiful illustrations contained in those books by Axel Schiefler. Um, Really, were were really special moments between me and my my boys. So, what I did then when I I seen the post on 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 Helen's uh, Facebook and uh, thank you for that, Helen. Uh, I went and I still have all the books here in my house, all the the Gruffalo books and the Julia Donaldson and Axel Schiefler books. So I went and got them and uh, I started to read them again to my boys each each night they were here. And I didn't say anything. I just went and, and got them. Like and the boys were drifting off to sleep, and I came in with the gruffalo, and uh, they just turned to me and smiled as 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 I was reading it, and they had a huge big grin on their face as I was uh, reading the gruffalo to them, and obviously it it brought memories back for, for them of of their earlier childhood. So. So yeah, that 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 was lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. So 
yeah, just the last wee bit that I, I want to mention today you know, is um, some about some photos that I found recently recently that I, I posted to, to Facebook there recently. If um, I know some of you have, have have seen these photos and uh, and commented on them, and they were photos from two thousand and seven, and yeah, they were photos of. Myself and my two boys, Kieran and Kerr, and my dad, Mick. And they're photos of, of Pot Hill in Restrever. Uh, in 2007, Kerr had just been born. He, he, he was just about two months old. And, and Kieran was, was just just turned... Um, well, yeah, he, hadn't, he wasn't even four, actually, back then. He was just almost four. So there's there's some some lovely photos of of my boys and and my dad and the four of us all together, and uh, yeah, it's 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 there's some it's just it's just beautiful to have those three the three generations together in the place the special place Pot Hill in Drumray and Restrever where my dad grew up with with his. Uh, brothers and his sister Maggie and their neighbours next door, the Morgans. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful place. And uh, my cousin Hugh Doyle is, has a house there at the top of the lane and his son, Hugh John, has uh, has a house now right next door to, to the old homestead in Pothill as well. So the Doyle tradition in Pothill... Uh, continues on which is is really really wonderful so yeah i am just going to finish up now for this week's podcast uh with with a poem and this is a poem which is also about three generations of of men and it's a poem that was written back in well, which was published back in 1966. So 1966 was a great year for English football, but it was also a great year for Irish poetry, because in 1966, um, Seamus Heaney published Death of a Naturalist, um, which is one of his most famous book of poems. And in Death of a Naturalist, one of the first poems... And one of my favourite poems of all time is a poem called Digging. And I am going to read that for you now, just to finish off this, this podcast for you guys. Digging by Seamus Heaney Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests, snug as a gun. Under my window a clean, rasping sound, when the spade sinks into gravelly ground, my father digging, I look down. Till a straining rump among the flower beds bends low, comes up twenty years away, stooping in rhythm through potato drills where he was digging. The coarse boot nestled on the lug, the shaft, against the inside knee, was levered firmly. He rooted out tall tops, 
buried the bright edge deep to scatter new potatoes that we picked, loving their cool hardness in our hands. By God, the old man could handle a spade, just like his old man. My grandfather cut more turf in a day than any other man on Toner's bog. Once I carried him milk in a bottle, corked sloppily with paper, he straightened up to drink it, then fell to right away. Nicking and slicing neatly, heaving sods over his shoulder, going down and down for the good turf, digging. The cold smell of potato mould, the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of an edge, through living roots awaken in my head. But I have no spade to follow men like them. Between my finger and my thumb, the squat pen rests. I'll dig with it. So thank you for listening, folks. I've been. This has been the Boy November podcast, and this has been Hugh Doyle, and I will chat to you next week. Thank you.